0: Hey there and welcome to the Lead Bold Podcast, a place where we engage in inspiring conversations with leaders in ministry and ministry partnerships. These discussions allow for us to learn more about different leaders and their experiences as we navigate questions about their call to ministry, the challenges they have faced, things they wish they knew or would share with others, and so, so much more about what it means to live into their calling. This community is truly a place to find those who get you. And we hope that what you hear encourages you and gives you takeaways for your own journey. Here's a little bit about our guest today. Tanya Martin is a native Jamaican raised in New York City who later put down roots in the Washington DC area. Tanya has three great loves, a love for our Lord Jesus, missions, and discipleship. These loves led Tanya to serve full time in the Ukraine for 11 years. In 2020, Tanya relocated to Orlando, Florida to continue pursuing those three great loves by helping others find their passion for missions and go to the nations. She serves as the director of mobilization for Converge, where she now has the opportunity to encourage and equip people to go out into the world and into missions uh, to follow their calling and follow Jesus. Let's jump into our combo. Well, welcome back, Lead Bold listeners. It is great to be with you today. And I hope you're sitting down or, you know, wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you're ready because our guest today is absolutely incredible. Today, we are joined by Tanya Martin. Tanya, welcome. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here with Lead Bold and to be able to to talk with the ladies today.
0: Yes, we are uh, just incredibly humbled to have you. Um, Now, I I know a little bit about Converge and have heard a little bit about that amazing organization. You are the director of mobilization for them, but would love, before we jump into some more questions about you and your personal journey, would love if you're open to sharing a bit about Converge and what they do with some of our listeners.
1: Okay. Well, Converge is an amazing organization that's over 170 years old, and the awesome thing about it is... Although the name has changed over the years, the values and our belief in uh, biblical teaching and biblical living and evangelizing to our neighbors has never changed. So right now, Converge uh, is an organization that's both here in the United States and we have missionaries around the world. We call them global workers. So we have over 1,500 churches that are associated with Converge in the United States in 10 regions. And so a church can be with Converge as a church plant, a new church, or an older church can decide to join our movement or family of churches as an affiliation. So they're, they yeah. want to get more access to more resources, or they want to have leadership training and access to that for their congregations. And the great thing about Converge is we start, we strengthen churches and we send missionaries to do the same thing overseas so we want to meet people to be able to meet know and follow jesus and the really exciting about thing about our international ministries which is where my role and my responsibilities fall is that we're asking god for a gospel movement among Mm. every least reach people
0: group in our generation that's incredible what a legacy wow 170 years and what a reach 1500 uh churches strong which is so incredible and um i know for our listeners we'll share at the end of the episode we'll give uh the website and if you're interested in conversion we encourage you to dig in more it sounds like it's just such a rich history and something that um god is continuing to move over a significant amount of time so so excited for that and excited to hear more about uh, your work. So um, let's jump in to talk more about you. And ultimately, I know that you have been in ministry for a long time, but um, I, I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit about how you kind of felt called to ministry. Um, what did that look like for you? And ultimately, um, you know, how did you know that God was calling you to do the, the type of work or the specific work that you're currently in?
1: All right. So after graduating from college, I did what most people probably do. It's, um, you know, seek the American dream, right? You get a good job, a good paying job, and you start to, to build a house and you build a family. Um, Mm. so I got to the building a house and building a career portion of it. And I, uh, worked for a large corporation for 10 years. So I'm still single, not married Mm. yet, but God has, uh, that's part of my calling, I believe, mm-hmm. at this time. And so worked for a large corporation for 10 years. And towards the end of my tenure there, I felt God calling me to full-time ministry. And the wow. call kind of sounded like this. What are you doing at this corporation that's actually helping people get closer to me? Mm. And I was like, "Wow, okay." So that was one part of the call. The second part of the call, you would say, was the specific call towards missions, and that was more of a. I was seeking God for what my purpose was. Um, mm. Going to conference after conference, God, what do you what do you want me to do? What is uniquely, uh, what did you uniquely create for me to do? And so God showed me general purposes for Christians, right? Worship Him, praise Him. I uh, mm. served him, loved the body, and I was like, yeah, that's great, but that's not what I'm talking about. Can you get, I want mm. to get something more specific, and he was like, do this first, <laughs> so, you know, we always want to get right to the point with God, and he always right. of course. He tells us differently, um, he answers a little differently, so when I finally started just giving myself over to that, that's when he revealed to me what missions was, because I didn't grow up mm. in a family or a church uh, family where I knew what missions was, and he revealed uh. that to me through a book, Um, and as I was reading that book, I felt convicted that it's like, I need to be a part of this as, as, as much as I can. So I started going on short-term trips and it was during those short-term trips that God said, I want you to stay in Ukraine
0: for a longer time. Wow. And that's, so it was that basically you went on a short-term trip to Ukraine and felt the Lord calling you while you were there to continue that beyond like the intended short Yes.
1: Yes. So basically I was on a bus and I felt him say it and I didn't know what that meant. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to continue to work. I'm going to continue to serve in my local church. I'm going to continue to pray until he brings clarity to to what that means. And it was a matter of two years um, and different Mm -hmm. events that he showed me what that meant. And so it turned out that as I was questioning that call and questioning, is this really God speaking? He showed me the Genesis 12 verses one through three, where Mm. he told Abraham to get out of his father's house, get out of his country to a place Mm. that he would show him. And that was the basis for my call. And even what I'm doing today, that's kind of the continuing basis for that, even though I'm back here in the United States. So yeah, so I ended up serving in
0: Ukraine as a, a global worker with Converge for 11 years. Wow. That's incredible. And you know what I think is so wonderful about that? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of folks who um, are in a similar position where when it comes to feeling that call to ministry, uh, I think a lot of people have that perspective that like this comes only to people who grew up in the church, have been involved in a specific way. like, And it's incredible to think that you know, that we would diminish God's ability to reach those who will further his kingdom. And um, talk to me a little bit about that. Have not having as much of a background potentially kind of in what mis- like, like ministry was or church was into moving into recognizing this was a full-on call for your life.
1: So not having that background, uh, as I said, you have, to con- you have to live in small steps of obedience to God And Mm. at the level of growth and spiritual maturity where you are. So the thing is, if your parents taught you one way and that's what you know, until God redirects you, continue to go down that path um, Mm. of your education or your career. But know that God is probably preparing you or could be preparing you for something else. Because I know some people are called to marketplace ministry and that's their calling. But some people, God wants to use that marketplace experience later on to be able to move into vocational ministry for His glory. So just continue down that path and take the next step of obedience that God has for you because it could be a second career. It could be a third career, you know? Yeah. So when I left left corporate America, I started working for my local church. I went there for two years because Mm. I thought that was the full-time ministry that He was calling me to. And Mm. while I was there, I realized that this is actually preparation for Ukraine because I couldn't go from corporate America where I'm thinking about dollars and cents and money and Mm. how to make a profit straight into ministry across cultural uh, where it's about people and it's about their spiritual growth. It's about souls. So that local Mm. church ministry actually helped me to prepare to go to Ukraine full time.
0: I love that. And that's such an encouragement because I do think that we talk about this a lot being women in ministry too. There's a lot of that like imposter syndrome. There's a lot of fear of like not having all the answers. And so that encouragement of, hey, taking the next right step in obedience and continuing to lean in and discern what it is you think God is calling you to um, doesn't mean like you have it all figured out and it looks beautiful right away, right? It's it's a transition and for a lot of folks, they find themselves stepping into ministry, like you said, at a different season of life than they may have expected, which is so powerful. And it it, it leads me to kind of lean into actually our next question here, which you touched on, you know, in terms of, um, you know, hey, like stepping into being in Ukraine full time, having some of those preparations from your time in the local church, but curious of what are some of the challenges that you have faced as you stepped into ministry um, how have you overcome some of them? And even, you know, are there areas where you felt like, wow, this is where I felt like the Lord really helped me learn something about myself or about his kingdom I didn't know before?
1: actually, actually one of the challenges that popped in my mind first, uh, as you were talking about seeming like, you know, feeling like sometimes like you're the imposter syndrome, uh, is that when I went to Ukraine, I had this image of what a missionary was supposed to be like. And Mm. so from short term trips, we always wore long skirts. We always wore very, you know, conservative, conservative clothing, uh, you know, so that we wouldn't be a distraction in the church and so forth. And so when I went full time, actually, one of the things was that I continued that persona of a missionary. Well, Mm. women in Ukraine are very stylish. They're very Mm. European. And so um, after about being there about a year or so. Uh, God was like, I know who I sent to Ukraine, and I need you to be you. I need you to be Mm. who you are in the Mm. way you dress and your personality and all of that. So I need you to be Tanya. And so as he did that, it freed me up. And really, then that's when I started connecting with the women because I started to dress the way that I like to dress. Um, Still, you know, respectful, still but just in a more stylish way because that's how I am. And so that, that was one of the challenges. It wasn't a big challenge, but it was a small challenge. Another challenge was getting to the point where uh, you fully understood the culture and mm. then realizing that you didn't understand anything.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you thought you it's understood. So big. <laughs> yeah. Um, the culture, but then you realize that you'll never fully understand it the way a Ukrainian understands it. And then how Mm. do you continue to do ministry in an effective way? And I think that the solution to that one was basically giving the ministry over to the local nationals, giving the ministry, training Mm. the Ukrainians up to do the Mm. ministry because they will be able to do it better because they know the language much better than I do and they understand the culture without thinking about it. And they'll be able to contextualize the message and the ministry um, in a Ukrainian way.
0: Yeah, oh man. And you touched on something so important there, which is like this idea, idea of delegation, um, especially as a leader, right? When you kind of have this expectation or um, understanding of, of how you think things should go, right? And the recognition that you might not have all the answers. Tell me a little bit more about that. That's that's a huge revelation.
1: Well, the one of the things that oftentimes people who are in full time ministry, they fall into the trap that they do need to have all of the answers. Um, And I think that the to be the most effective minister and the most effective leader is that you learn how to ask the right questions. Mm, Uh, and you teach people how to ask the right questions and you see the potential in people and you start to develop that potential and that's a hard thing to do because people aren't always going to do the things that you see that needs to be done in the way that you would do it but you Mm. have to understand the key is understanding that this ministry belongs to the Lord it's not mine Mm. and he was here before I got here and he'll be here after I leave Right. And he will take it where he wants it to go. And it's a matter of really trusting the Lord. It's not even trusting the people with the mm. ministry. It's trusting God and trusting that he's able to do what he is intending to do in that in that place with that church, with those people.
0: Right. That's amazing. Did you ever, and this is something I always have considered, I, I've done uh, short term missions personally, and I know a lot of our listeners have been involved in those arenas um, did you feel when you were kind of in a long term position of leadership, did it ever feel like there was an expectation of being an outsider versus those who were local or any kind of like question of your leadership or knowledge being someone who kind of came from another place? Did that ever encounter your work in the Ukraine?
1: So not so much, uh, because even though I was seen as an outsider at the beginning, I was American. Mm. So that made me kind of cool. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> hey, So Winsome, everyone wants right. to know what the, what, the, what the Americans think and everyone wants to practice their English. I didn't let them yeah. practice their English with me though because I was like, I need to understand and I need to know and I need to practice my Ukrainian. But love I it. think that, that when you enter long-term into a culture, learning the language and learning the culture are two of the most important things that you can do because mm. if you can learn that to a certain level and you can adapt and begin to joke the way that the Ukrainians joke or the people that you're going to serve jokes and walk the way that they walk. And I know that sounds weird, but you can, no, there's a certain yeah. walk. Um, and just the mannerisms talk, speak with the mannerisms. Then you become one of them. And even though you in your heart of hearts know that you're never be fully one of them, right? They consider you one of them. And then you have a totally different platform to be able to speak into their lives It's powerful
0: and, and hey, this is the thing oh, too
1: can I can I say something about of coming course back to America yeah uh, because coming back to America was another challenge that I faced because I was like oh I'm coming back yeah. to America I came back three and a half years ago and um I'll just go back into my own culture but I actually mm. moved to a new state working with people from all over the United States and mm. uh the assumption that I was going to understand all the different cultures in the room was a misconception. And so I had to become a cross-cultural worker again here in America amongst my peers, amongst my colleagues, Mm. amongst a lot of the men that I work with um, Mm. on how to communicate, how to understand what part of the country they're from and how do they communicate uh, and Mm. how are they going to hear me and
0: being the only woman in the room and, and those kinds of things. So, wow. So I was going to say, you mentioned something a bit ago in terms of like, you felt like God was calling you to be you, like to be who you are. And what I was going to say, what advice would you give to our listeners for those who are in a position where, whether it's in another country or even in their own environment, how do you balance that call from God to be the unique person that he created you to be? And also find that level of like, maybe harmony might not be the right word, but that level of collaboration without giving up the uniqueness of who God called you to and why he might have called you specifically to do what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I think the balance comes in when you are communicating for collaboration and you need the, the people in the room with you to understand what it is that you're trying to communicate, you have mm-hmm. to communicate in a way that they understand. When you are on breaks and when you are just having dialogue, you can, be un- you can be uniquely you. You can express mm-hmm. yourself in the way that you normally express yourself because you want people to know who you really, who God has created you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want people to, to understand even, they may not be able to do it, but to understand how you prefer to be communicated with as well, because you don't I, always want, I call it crossing a cultural bridge, whether it's here or in the United States or overseas. You don't want to Mm. always have to be the one crossing the bridge. You want to be able to teach people how to cross the bridge to come to you. But Mm. you always want to be able and have the ability to do that when you want people to understand something for collaboration. But if it's just building relationships, then you can let the you out because ministry really is about relationships. I mean, life's about relationships. So (laughs) as you're building those relationships, let them see if you're kind of spicy or sassy or, um, you know, funny or whoever you are you can let that out as you're talking over lunch or um, just taking a break or
0: um, in a car ride going somewhere right i love that sentiment because i think i think a lot of women in ministry and just ministry leaders in general it is so much about pouring out of yourself it is so much about kind of reaching out to others that is such a healthy reminder and encouragement that like being able to voice your needs and showcase what it looks like for others to approach you in the same way is, um, is such an important piece like you said of the relationship building and that is the core <laughs> of ministry. Um, speaking of relationships, I was gonna say, um, what has it been like to kind of find, you know, you, you've had so much change when it comes to cultural and even just like in your life moving to different places and living in different areas how have you navigated some of your personal life with like some of the responsibilities of your ministry? What does that look like for you?
1: One of the things that I had to make a choice about is that even though I do not have a husband and I do not have children, Mm. I still have a personal life and it's okay to say, to say no. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say no. And it's okay to do things on your own or do things with your friends Uh, Mm -hmm. it's okay to take a sabbath so one of the things that i had to learn is that if i keep going 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 just because i'm single and i have time is that Mm -hmm. i will burn out and so i need to take a sabbath when it's in ukraine whether it's just reading a book or watching some movies or getting my hair done or going to going away on vacation for two weeks to the beach Uh, Mm. And so taking those intentional times of getting rest and doing things that you enjoy. Coming back to the United States now, I'm still in the process of finding those rhythms and finding out what I enjoy doing here, but I enjoy kayaking. So when I'm Mm. in Florida and I'm not traveling somewhere and I have a weekend or afternoon, I'll go out to the river out on the intercoastal and go kayaking. Um, I got my scuba diving certification in February. So no on Monday, way. That's incredible, on Monday, Tanya. <laughs> on Monday, I'm going scuba diving. So it's like finding out it. things that you really have always wanted to do and that you would enjoy to do. Um, mm. And if you can find friends to do it, uh, do it. If you can go kayaking by yourself and you feel comfortable with that, do that. So mm. it's it's finding out if you like photography and you want to go to – the zoo or to the botanical gardens or just go sit on the beach and take pictures um, Mm -hmm. do that as well so I think find out what you like to do and even if you're married um, find time with your to even to do things with your kids that's just fun I think Mm -hmm. having fun together with people or having fun by yourself is an important thing to learn to do. Super powerful.
0: I also am so impressed. I love that you're going scuba diving. You're a much braver person than me, Tanya. I love God's creation, but the ocean is one of those where I'm like, Lord, I'm going to keep my distance on that one. So you're you're a brave soul. But I, I'd love to know from you just because I do think that people have a lot of expectations for women who work in ministry and a lot of times perspective on what their lives could or should look like, right? And, and obviously different churches have different perspectives on that have you run into that at all in terms of people's perspectives or expectations on you simply because you may not have a family or may not have a partner. Right. Um, but are leading as an individual in ministry, has that ever come up in your line of work?
1: It's come up. Uh, it's come up more as I would call them microaggressions than anything else. Mm -hmm. And basically it's when I'm in the room, if I say something with passion, um, Mm. Uh, some uh, someone once re- replied to that as, uh, you know, they looked at me and I said, I said that nicely. They were like, yeah, but your heart is nails. I'm like, but I'm always nice. So it's like it's 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 kind of interpreted as a little bit more aggressive. Whereas if my male colleagues mm. were to say that, it would not be interpreted as that. And I think I in other ways, um, so we have in in converge, we're very unique because we mm. have we have some core biblical foundational truths that we ask all of our churches to sign off on. And then we have secondary things that we, that each church can decide for themselves. And one of those things are being complementarian or egalitarian. Um, Hmm. So women in leadership, women not in leadership. And Hmm. so some of the churches that don't feel that women should be in leadership, uh, they also, you can, you can, it's, it's never overtly said, but some, in some, In some atmospheres, you can feel where it's like, yeah, I'm not really very welcome here. No one's going to say that. Mm. But um, so I just. I'm very. Kind to Mm. everyone. (laughs) Sure. But I don't but I don't invite myself into those spaces very often. Um, I see. where I feel that way. And so it's, it's okay. I can interact and I, I know how to love my neighbor, you know? Yeah. And so I love everyone well, but
0: I don't intentionally invite myself into those spaces. I see. And it's so, I was going to say, I think that can be so hard for those who are, you know, who may be listeners who are coming up against some of that, like microaggression, some of that, like mindset that is vague, but definitely unwelcoming. And, um, you know, what do you say to the woman in terms of finding the trust that the Lord is, is, is pushing in the right directions if some of those doors are closing, right?
1: Yeah, I think when God gifted the church with gifts, he gave it to everyone. We know that. And so right. if those doors are closing, that's okay. Mm. Look for the doors that God is opening and I know that there are women who may be in churches where, um, that's their grew up. That's where they grew up. That's the church tradition they grew up in. Um, and so enter into a, a conversation with God. Is this where you have me planted? Because I do believe Mm. that God is the one who plants us in a church and he has a reason for us being there. Um, and ask God, you know, don't move unless God tells you to move. Don't move because you want, um, you want to to do something in ministry ask it and pray to the lord to find out how do you want to use my gifts in the place mm-hmm. where i am right now and if it's time for you to move you know talk to your pastor and let him know um do it with respect and with love and um just say i believe god is calling me to be planted in a different place and leave that place in um with grace and with humility and with right. with kindness so i always am for uh, not burning bridges and right. I should always be able to go back into any space even if I'd never felt welcome there um, mm-hmm. and, and and just fellowship with my fellow brothers and sisters because this is the thing we're all going to spend eternity in heaven together
0: that's right <laughs> so we have to figure <laughs> out how to do it here on earth at least a little bit <laughs> yes I love that yeah I mean this is just practice for the real big party right like this is yeah. This is a, a work in us getting used to those uh, complications. You, you said something just there in regards to like, if you feel the Lord, right? Like urging you to move or urging you to stay, right? To be really attentive for that. I'm so curious to hear after spending such significant time, right? Like to kind of 11 years is a chunk of time, Tanya. And that's an incredible, um, just an incredible impact. How did you know or feel that impulse to say, God, I hear you and I'm ready to move back to the States. I'm ready to go into the next thing. What did that look like?
1: So it was a gradual revealing of what God had Mm. next for me um, as I moved from Ukraine. So it started back in 2018 when I returned to Ukraine after a three month home assignment. So I came back to the United States for three months Mm. and then returned January, 2018. One of the ukrainian ladies that i prayed with often she came over to my house we had a um, kind of a time of prayer uh, one morning Mm -hmm. she was like how long do you think you'll be in ukraine so it was a question that she had never asked me before and it was a question that had god had already started prompting me towards and i said Mm -hmm. i think about another two years so my plan was two years and then come back to the states for about six months and then pray and seek god to to know what's next so Mm -hmm. that was 2018. Then 2019, a team came for my 10th year anniversary in May, and the director of the church, my sending church, she asked me a similar question. Would you ever Mm. consider coming back to the United States? I said to her, I said, the only way I would ever consider coming back to the United States is if I can mobilize new missionaries, new global workers, and use the experience God has given me to really help to equip the next generation. And so wow. she was like, okay, I was like, okay. That job was not available anywhere in any place that I knew. And mm-hmm. so that summer, God really ignited my passion for the vision that I mentioned for Converge International wow. Ministries earlier. And I was looking for, how can, I, how can I get connected with this? But I thought that was in Ukraine. How can I connect this vision to the ministry that's going on here? I wanna be a part of this. And so that fall in November uh, the vice president of senior vice president really now of international ministries called me and offered me this role. And wow. so when he said that I think I laughed like Sarah laughed. Cuz I was like who is he? <laughs> Who's he calling? <laughs> Who's he talking to? Not me. I'm just that. a little I'm just a little missionary here in Ukraine minding my business, right? Oh man. Yeah. Um, but I said to him the most spiritual thing that you can say I'll pray about that um Mm. but i was really like i don't think he really meant to call me um so i prayed (laughs) about it and and god started showing me so this was Mm. december 2019 he was showing me that the things that he had been started talking to me way back in january or even probably before january that two years it was like Mm. i told you two years and and in march in may of 2019 you said you would do mobilization that's mm. the only reason you would go back.
0: Right. And here, here, <laughs> He's here like, it you is said right, all these things. Yeah.
1: Here, <laughs> yeah. Here <laughs> it is right here. And so I was like, okay, God, I hear you. So he didn't say anything new. He just basically showed me what he had already been speaking and what he had already put in my heart. And so yeah. I went through the interviewing process and um, yeah,
0: and new. Right. That's amazing. I'm so curious to know just because I am definitely, um, I have what we traditionally called FOMO, which is like fear of missing out, Um, something I'm always working on. Um, And I wonder how it has been for you to be someone who has been that person who has gone, who has been sent, who's been mobilized. How has it shifted your perspective to now kind of be put in a position where God is saying, I want you to help others go? What does that look like for you personally? Do Do you miss being on the ground or have you felt like the Lord has lifted you into a different season as you're helping others do the work that you've done?
1: So I miss certain aspects of being overseas uh, Hmm. and they're mostly like, um, you know, in most countries in Europe, it's a very pedestrian lifestyle. I miss that. I miss walking Hmm. places uh, intentionally just to go to the grocery store and those types of things. But as far as ministry goes, uh, I'm having an opportunity. I have a passion for discipleship. And so I'm having an Hmm. opportunity to craft with my team together, discipleship now for the next generation of missionaries so that they will go more as equipped as they can. And so yeah. I get to use that, that the gift of teaching and the passion of discipleship, even in this role, it looks mm-hmm. a little different, but, um, I'm grateful that God has allowed me to do that.
0: That's wonderful. That's so great. Um, gosh, Tanya, you are a wealth of wisdom. I feel like I could, <laughs> I feel like I could hang out on this half zoom call with you for hours and hours. I had one last question uh, that I wanted to, to ask you, which is um, what advice would you give um, any of our listeners who might be in a position of considering missions? It's something that we see a lot of folks, um, I think, consider, but I do think there's like some fears and hesitations in, in what that looks like. What kind of encouragement or advice would you give to those who might be considering ministry um, in the lens of missions work?
1: So I'll take this from a, a well-known speaker. It's not my own, but do it. afraid. <laughs> okay. Do it afraid. Yeah. Do it afraid. Um, <laughs> uh, take the first step. You know, if you're afraid of going that full four years right away, and you haven't been on a short term trip, take a short term trip. If you've been mm-hmm. on a short term trip, um, we offer internships and I know other organizations do where you can Me go to, for six to 10 weeks, go on an internship because that will really give you insights into, uh, what life is like, when you pass the tourist stage where you get into the culture, stress and culture shock. And mm. then if, if you know, or if you want to take two years, we do, we have it like, we have a two year program and a lot of organizations do that as well. Take two years and go. So mm. you don't feel like you have to commit for such a long time, but take sure. the, pray and ask God, what can I do next? But don't just sit on that uh, calling that you sense that God might be calling you to, because it is scary. But if you're working right now, God is the one that's providing your the resources through mm. your employer. If you right. are a missionary and you have to do, uh, you have to do ministry partnership development and find financial partners to partner with you to go. It's God's funds, and He God mm. will provide for you through that. So whatever the different fears are about missing your family, missing events, that will happen. But know that. God will be able to walk you through that. It's a, it's, a, it's a trust walk, and it's a special time of dependence on God when you are in a cross-cultural situation that hmm. often Americans don't ever really get to feel
0: hmm. in America. Incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Tanya, thank you so much for all of your time, your wisdom, and sharing so much of your personal experience. I think all of us are just continually amazed and inspired by what you are doing, by what Converge is doing and by the incredible impact we're seeing uh, on a global scale uh, for those to know the Lord and to be joined into his kingdom. So thank you for being with us today. Um, I know that we'll we'll put information about Converge for uh, our listeners and post here so they can hear more about how to find out details and more information, but we're so grateful for you and just really appreciate you spending time with us today, Tanya. It's been a blast.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been awesome. I, I just loved being with you today. And So I pray that, you know, God's blessings on everyone, as you as you've listened to this,
0: and may may he use it for his glory. Thanks so much. Well, we hope you all loved this opportunity to hear from the incredible Tanya Martin. As we mentioned, Tanya works with Converge International Ministries, which is incredible. You can find out more about their organization, a ton of the work that they're doing. You can support or even get information if you might be interested in missions work through converge.org. We encourage you to check that out. This is coming out right after our Bay Area Conference. So if you joined us for our conference in the Bay Area, thank you so much for coming and being a part of this incredible community. We hope that it was a really meaningful uh, time for you and a time for you to be poured into, refreshed, and renewed. For those of you who might be interested, we have an upcoming conference on the East Coast in Chicagoland. There's information on leadingbold.org. If you'd like to purchase tickets, you can do that now. That date is October 27th. It's a Friday. Um, We would love to see you. So please check that out on our website. And as always, keep leading bold. Keep remembering what Tanya told us, that God called you, exactly you, and live into that mission. See you next time.